Good morning. This is Nick Augustine with Mark Scroggins. We're here at Scroggins Law Group in Dallas, Texas, and we are talking all about issues with moving kids out of state. Hey, Nick. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you, Mark? I am good. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about what happens when maybe we are, uh, I mean, I guess we could be in the middle of a divorce and considering a move out of state, or after a divorce, someone gets a new job, there's a new someone in someone's life, all sorts of reasons that people right. move. Right. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about what happens when we look at moving kids out of state. So let's talk about some of the reasons that people have to move. Well, I mean, you know, generally around the time of divorce, I mean, when you see somebody who typically wants to, uh, you know, wants to move, that generally is because maybe they don't have a bunch of uh, familial support right. uh, where they currently are and they want to go to a place where they've got that family support. Maybe they haven't. Uh, been working during the pendency of the marriage and they're going to have to work now. And so they need, you know, some assistance with pick up, drop off, you know, and just, you know, being able to, uh, to assist with the kids during, during their times of possession. So you see that happen a lot. The stuff mm -hmm. that you initially were talking about job and all of that, that generally doesn't come into play during a divorce. It can, um, if it just, so happens to coincide with that, you know, uh, maybe you've got someone who's a, um, a consultant and they've got a, a gig that's going to, you know, take them for an extended period to another place. I mean, that can come into play, but mm. that is typically where someone is actually moving for a job. That is something that typically you would see more in a modification case, but that's, you know, it comes up all the time and it's not, you know, it's not so easy to, uh, to deal with there, there are just a lot of different factors, right? Well, in the last time we talked a lot about um, the exclusive right of determining the residence of the kids. So right. these are and that sort of whether there's a thing that someone's going to move is that kind of foreseeable? Well, it depends. I mean, so generally, so here's the difference. Okay, typically, if someone is named a sole managing conservator, the you get the exclusive right to establish the primary domicile of the child. Just like a joint managing conservator does, the difference is typically, okay, there's not going to be a geographic restriction mm -hmm. if you are named sole managing conservator. So with that, that means that you've got the ability to up and move whenever you would like, regardless of the other person's involvement. The big difference with a joint managing conservator is typically there is going to be a geographic restriction. And that restriction most of the time is going to be you know, that county. So let's say somebody's getting divorced in Collin County, okay? So typically that geographic restriction is going to be Collin County and other counties that are contiguous to it or that touch that county. Right. Okay? So it doesn't always mean that it's going to be that. It could be specific counties. Let's say, you know, it could be Dallas and Tarrant County, okay? It could be um, a situation where something is just done down to a particular school district uh, or even a particular school. So it can be done a whole bunch of different ways. But if you're trying to change that so that you've got the ability to move, I mean, you better have a damn good reason unless uh, unless the other parent just really isn't involved. Well, I mean, it's, you're talking about modifications. You're talking about a whole new case. That's correct. Right. Yeah. So that's a little bit more than just, hey, judge. Yeah, yeah, there's no there's no way to do that. I mean, any change that you make to an order, I mean, you and your you and your former spouse can agree to whatever the hell you want to agree to, mm -hmm. okay? But if you're fighting about it, you're going to have to go get a new order. 
and going and getting a new order is not as simple as just, you know, uh, filing a motion. You are filing a new, a new lawsuit. So it is a petition to modify, uh, the case. And so, you know, there are a lot of different things that are going to happen. Even if everyone agrees. Well, you still are going to have to file a modification if everybody agrees that thing that you don't have is you don't have the waiting period like you do in a divorce Mm -hmm. that, you know, you've got 60 days after it's been filed in a modification, you know, you could technically, you could file it and file the order the next day and be fine. Um, which I would suggest that, uh, if you and your former spouse are in agreement, you still want to do something like that. Cause if all of a sudden someone gets their nose out of joint, you know, I, I've seen it happen all the time. No, we didn't have any agreement. You know, mm-hmm. he just up and left or she just up and left. And, you know, now I can't be mom or I can't be dad. Yeah. So you better be damn sure that you've got that documented. Absolutely. All right, let's shift gears. Let's talk about what happens when I want to prevent my spouse from moving. Let's say, I'm just going to throw you a hypothetical. My uh, ex-wife is a nurse. Right. And she's worked at... Baylor, Scott, and White for so long. Everything's great. But now she wants to go and, you know, move and take a new nursing job. That's another opportunity. But it's far away. And I know that the reason behind it is this new guy she's seeing down in San Antonio. Well, so the important thing to... Can I stop them? Well, maybe. Uh, I would say in that particular scenario, the answer is probably. Okay. Because there are a wealth of nursing jobs uh, in the Metroplex. So, you know, the inability to get a job Mm. like that isn't really going to play into it. And so it's going to be difficult to convince the court that that's the reason that you need to move. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where you see this more often than not is let's say, let's say someone is a high level manager in a company. Okay. Or is a C-suite executive, you know, a CEO, a CFO, a CMO, a COO all the different O's, okay? Um, Those jobs don't just grow on trees. And so it is not uncommon to say somebody has been working, you know, in that position uh, at one of the many, many companies in North Texas, but all of a sudden he gets an opportunity or she gets an opportunity that's in California or that's in New Jersey or New York or Florida or Ohio or something like that. That's when you have a real argument about it, okay? And still, even if that is a great job for the person who has the exclusive right to designate the primary residence of the children, you still have to show that it is in the kid's best interest. Mm -hmm. And it's not a rubber stamp situation. I mean, so let's say that this is um, dad wants to move with the kids to Ohio. Okay, so first you need to find out why. Why is dad moving? You know, he's got a better job offer. Okay, how much better? You know, is it, is he making $5,000 a month more or uh, a year more? Is he making $5,000 a month more? Is he making $10,000 a month more? What kind of position were they in financially, he and the kids, here? Okay. How involved has he been with the kids? Now, here's the big thing. How involved has mom been? You know, is she exercising all of her possession? Is she involved in extracurriculars with the kids? Does she have uh, 
more time than uh, what is laid out in the parenting plan. Uh, if she doesn't, is that because the other side doesn't allow her to get more or she hasn't requested more? What kind of things do the kids do? What kind of relationship do the kids have? What are the ages of the kids? How bonded or attached are they to mom and to dad? Are there learning disabilities of the kids? Are there things that they will be able to get with this added amount of income that dad has that could, they could not get here? How does that improve their life? How does that balance out against mom being involved? Lots of factors, Mark. Yeah, that's so, my point. So, you know, I think the takeaway may be, even though it may look like an open and shut deal. Well, and let me stop you right there. There's no such thing as an open and shut deal, unless mm-hmm. y'all both agree. Right. Okay. Otherwise there's not, it's just not. So, you know, if you and your former spouse agree, then it's open and shut. Okay. If you don't, which is the whole reason that you're coming and talking to a lawyer about it, because y'all don't agree, it's not open and shut and it's not going to be okay. Cause money is not the defining factor. Okay. It is a big factor, but it's not the defining factor. I mean, you have to be able to explain to the court, why is it in the children's best interest? You know, so what could happen otherwise? Well, the court could say, take your job if you want, but the kids are staying here. Yeah. And that happens. There's a lot to think about. That's yeah. why you got to call Mark Scroggins. All right, Mark, we talked a little bit about moving for a new job for many reasons, right. about trying to prevent your spouse from moving if that's appropriate and what the situations are. Let's talk a little bit about backing up and how we got to these rights of who has the right to move a kid out of state. Well, I mean, it, it depends on if there's a geographic restriction. Okay. So, um, you know, we've, we've talked about conservatorship before and, and possession and access. And so to back up possession and access is exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. It's the amount of, uh, time that you have with the kids and conservatorship are the rights and duties that each parent has as it relates to child-rearing decisions. Mm -hmm. One of those is the exclusive right to designate the primary domicile of the children, okay? Now, if someone is named a sole managing conservator, like I was mentioning before, typically you are not going to have a geographic restriction. So Mm -hmm. that person, a sole managing conservator, generally, unless there is, for some strange reason, a geographic restriction, is going to be able to up and move the kids, you know, whenever he or she wants to, Okay. If the parents are named joint managing conservators, even though that parent has the exclusive right to designate the primary domicile, typically there's going to be a geographic restriction, like I was talking about earlier. You know, and typically that is going to be that county. So let's say Collin and counties contiguous to Collin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that regard, no one can move the kids. You have to ask the court for permission. So you are asking the court to lift the geographic restriction. Right. So, okay. So, what then? So, let's talk about the court keeping jurisdiction over children. And I'm thinking of situations where maybe um, we're in Denton County mm-hmm. and the other job is in Oklahoma City. Sure. Well, and that can happen. I mean, you know, so those are easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or California. Well, that's more difficult to right. deal with. Okay. And that's where all those things that I just mentioned a little bit ago, all those different factors are going to play in. If you're talking about somebody who, you know, lives in the Metroplex, all right, uh, and 
they're looking at moving to Oklahoma City. Let's just say it's an oil and gas gig, okay? And and they want to go up there. It is still governed by, in the parenting plan, you have two different pieces on the possession and access, okay? You have the stuff that is laid out for when parents reside under 100 miles apart from one another. And then you have another that is when parents reside over 100 miles, okay? When you live relatively close, you know, a couple hundred miles, okay? It's still a pain in the butt getting back and forth. But let's say somebody's in Denton County going up there, and maybe it's closer to 150 miles, okay? Something like that. So what can be done? Well, you know, the court's going to look at, you know, he's going to evaluate all those factors that, that I mentioned. You know, what's the reason for the move? What's the impact on the kids? What are the ages of the kids? How how entrenched are the kids in their school system? So, you know, if you've got a, a kid who's coming up on their junior or senior year of high school, you know, that's a hard one. You know, you really have to show an incredible mm-hmm. benefit. If the kids are, you know, three and five years old, that's different. Right. You know, um, it also is going to depend on how involved have they have they been. So there, you kind of look at things a little differently once you get teenagers as compared to when you've got a three and a five year old, because that, you know, that bonding is still going on. So it's so important that you be able to see the kids uh, with, with a large amount of frequency. Well, if you accept a job to go work for Microsoft, you know, up in Seattle, guess what? It's freaking hard to, you know, see the kids at all, much less the, you know, once a month that is laid out in, uh, possession schedule for over a hundred miles. Now the benefit is you've got 42 days during the summer. So that's great. But you know, during the school year, man, except for, you know, the, the holidays, it's rough. You know, you, you don't get to see the kids very much. So you've got to really evaluate all of those issues. Now let's, let's talk about something else too. We're very lucky in North Texas that we have had all this influx of new business, okay? <clears throat> you know, new corporate headquarters. There was just an article in the, uh, you know, Dallas Business Journal recently about they finalized that McKesson is coming here from uh, California and is going to set up their headquarters in Las Colinas, okay? You've got the PGA that's coming to, uh, uh, to Frisco, you know, here in a couple of years. All yeah. that is being built and developed got all these other corporate headquarters okay so when you have people that come in here and this obviously applies going the other way um so what happens uh in a lawsuit involving jurisdiction over the kids that is a common question okay so luckily there's what is called the uccjea and that governs those types of things okay and in a situation like that, you can, the court here, let's say that they move from California, okay? Um, <clears throat> let's say they moved from California a year ago, okay? And so you've got a California order, all right? Well, a Texas court can establish jurisdiction in that regard. And they do it under the UCCJEA, and it talks about how, how it's done. And you register what is called a quote-unquote foreign judgment, mm-hmm. okay? And... The other side has 20 days to, you know, object to it or set a hearing and all of that. If not, then it's, then it is, uh, you know, registered as a Texas order 
and then we can begin the modification process related to that. Now, where you run into interesting questions is when they haven't been here for six months to establish jurisdiction, but they have been here for three months, okay? So then what happens? And that's a whole convoluted issue, okay? Because the court here can establish emergency jurisdiction over the child if there if the there's a risk of you know significant impairment like you have in so many other uh, so many other child issues uh, so in that case the court can step in and exercise jurisdiction and say I'm going to maintain jurisdiction over this while uh, we figure out what to do okay and then it requires that the Texas court and the California court continue to have communication about, I shouldn't say continue, have communication about where should this lawsuit rise? Because every case, after you get, when you get a divorce and there are kids involved, that court is called the court of continuing jurisdiction. You can either maintain a court there, maintain a case there, or you can seek to have it transferred. Okay. So, in the situation where I was talking about, you would file a motion to transfer when jurisdiction is, has been established. When jurisdiction, when you don't meet the jurisdictional requirements, the UCCJEA is going to come involved. And they, between the Texas court and the California court or whatever court that is, they're going to make a determination of which court has jurisdiction, which one should maintain jurisdiction. And there are different ways that, you know, the Texas court could punt it back to California or those two could could talk and decide that actually uh, Texas should retain jurisdiction of the case. So there are a lot of moving parts on that, much more than I can really go into in, you know, five or 10 minutes on right. a video podcast. Yeah, there's so, a lot there. And yeah, I've been seeing more where I've talked to people who have moved to the area and their ex-spouse has also moved and got right. a job. And so where it seems it wasn't in a, you know, people had the inability to move. I mean, their jobs are plentiful. And if you're, you know, the whole family's moving. Yeah. That happens more and more. I'm I mean, seeing it. I, at first I thought, wow, that's interesting. And then I started hearing more and more about that. Yeah. It's been happening a lot in Texas just because the, the job market has been so good and our mm-hmm. unemployment rates are so low. Uh, you know, we've got a case going on. We've got a couple of cases going on like that right now where dad followed mom, uh, to Texas you know, uh, so that he could exercise possession. Yeah. Um, so those are, that makes it easy as far as figuring out the jurisdiction. The ones where it's really difficult is when it's been under under six months. Sure, sure. All right, well, so people who want to know more, they are in a divorce, they have been divorced, they've got issues, people are moving, there's job opportunities, they want to know what they're up against, What are what's their best course of action, and how do they get in touch? Well, you know, first you, you always want to reach out to, to a lawyer, and I would suggest give us a call. Uh, you can reach me at the office, 214-469-3100. That'll get me in any of our offices. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can just send me an email directly at mark at scrogginslawgroup.com. All right. Well, we thank you all for listening. And please do share this podcast as you find it on your uh, social media or wherever, because you just never know who your neighbor next door could have these exact issues. And you just never know. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you all. Thank you much.